0: The Behavioral Corner is produced in cooperation with Retreat Behavioral Health, where healing happens. Hi and welcome. I'm Steve Martoreno, and this is The Behavioral Corner. You're invited to hang with us as we discuss the ways we live today, the choices we make, the things we do, and how they affect our health and well-being. So you're on The Corner, The Behavioral Corner. Please
1: hang around a while.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Behavioral Corner. Uh, I'm Steve Martorano. I'm your host and guide. If you're watching this as well, I'm the fellow on your right, the pasty looking one from the Northeast. And the fellow on the left, looking hale and hearty and tan, as most Floridians are, is our guest today, Peter Shore. Uh, Peter is, of course, the CEO and founder of Retreat Behavioral Health. They, of course, are our underwriting partners and we welcome Peter to the show. Hello, Peter. Hi, Steve. Pleasure to have you. For those of you just maybe just stumbling upon the behavioral corner, what we do is uh, dedicate this program to everything because that's what affects behavioral health. So uh, we're going to take a look today at something fascinating. When I started to hear about psychedelic therapy, well, first of all, I heard about psychedelics when I was a former hippie in another life. They were, you know, they were everywhere then, and I didn't think I'd live long enough to see it become a therapeutic model, but it, It apparently uh, may be real soon. So we brought in an expert, not in psychedelics, but in treatment. And that's Peter, to talk about this growing sense of uh, psychedelics as therapy. It's fascinating stuff. A little later on, Peter is going to touch upon with us this uh, another growing movement in this country, mercifully, something that has to do with harm reduction. We'll tell you about that ahead. So let me see if I've got it right. Technically speaking, and we're talking about something that isn't really fully established yet. Psychedelic therapy refers to the uh, to the use of any psychedelic plant or drug as a treatment modality. Is that pretty much how you understand it?
1: That's what it is, yeah.
0: Okay. So let's tell people who might not know, what kind of drugs are we talking about that might ultimately become, you know, therapeutic uh, medicine?
1: We're talking about S-ketamine, MDMA, which is ecstasy. you are talking about psilocybin, which is uh, the magic mushrooms when I was a kid. Right. Uh, and all these to be used in in, in micro dosing is how they say right now. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, you know, we have to look at our limbic system and people who don't know what the limbic system is. It's a portion of our brain that controls emotions. It controls uh, memory. And then there's all these pathways. And, you know, when you're younger, when you're growing up, the brain is not really officially, you know, uh, mature until twenty-one to twenty-five. So if you take these hallucinogens as a young kid, you know, these pathways—what happens—and this has happened now too—it kind of mixes them up and kind of like you, like like a restart, kind of fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, psychedelic drugs take all those pathways and kind of confuse them, so your memories and and emotions and your addiction and things like that. You know, kind of get confused and maybe you can jump start things. In theory, sounds pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty good. Now in our country, we have uh <clears throat> rules and regulations on how drugs are administered. They have to go through a process through the FDA, and it takes years and years and years. Now, ketamine has been used as anesthesia for years, forever. Now, someone came up with this, you know, this idea that we can use these drugs for mental health patients. Uh, The MDMA is being used for for PTSD patients and things like that. So ketamine, look at your hands like this. Ketamine is on one side, on your right side, right ketamine. Your left side is S-ketamine. Why is it S-ketamine? Since they're in Latin means left side. (laughs) That's what it is. So Mm -hmm. the right side of ketamine, has been shown to cause lesions in rats okay mm-hmm. the left side which we call ketamine light has been approved to be used in a nasal spray as an anesthetic for children right no it's been it's approved to be used as a, as a nasal spray for what we're talking about in therapy yeah off, off label uh, uh, off label but it's approved you can use yes. yes. something that's, everything else is not approved for that use Mm -hmm. It's all experimental Mm -hmm. and we don't have enough information yet i mean because we're saying the right side causes lesions in rats together you know it was used as anesthesia which is used once not on a daily basis so we don't know what the ramifications are going to be on Mm long-term use yeah so whether or not it's 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 good or not Let's figure out what's the long-term uh, effects of these drugs that we're going to use to make people feel better today. And we have a history of doing that.
0: Yeah. Um, we, we, have, we have, unfortunately, our history of knowledge about these drugs, unfortunately, comes out of their recreational use. I mean, uh, ketamine was a club drug. From, no, from ketamine
1: an anesthesia. It's not, it's not it, it was used afterwards. Yeah, right?
0: afterwards, right. right. And MDMA is nexocyte. That's <laughs> that, that,
1: was, that was a club drug for a very long yes.
0: time. And LSD, by the way, we, we, we didn't mention LSD as well. The mushrooms are are also uh, a part of this mix. All plant-based hallucinogenic drugs are ultimately going to be used, I think, or tried anyway. They are now, but as Peter points out, in a very, well, not so much underground because it's very public but it's illegal it's just illegal in this country to fool with these things uh, so peter
1: uh it's not illegal because it's 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 legal drugs for different uses that's how they get around it if it was illegal a, dr- a doctor's not going to prescribe something that's illegal well doctors don't prescribe psilocybin do they well yes they're using psilocybin now in microdosing for depression mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't know where they get it, but they, you know, yeah. when I was a kid, I had to go find someone who sold it. Well, you you didn't have the internet when you
0: were a kid. You you can get it on the internet now. I agree with you completely. There's a lot to know about brain chemistry in general. We learn more every day about how the brain really works. I believe as I, as I think you do as well, obviously our problems are there and uh, uh, drugs alter that and alcohol alters that and uh, mental health, uh, you know, messes with our brain. So the more we know about that, why shouldn't these drugs, who we know have a pronounced effect on our perception and brain, not also wind up being helpful. But I look at what's happening now. And it's something like a land rush. It's something like you know, they struck gold in them to our hills. Because if you look at the right places on the internet or your Facebook newsfeed, and you put in psychedelic therapy, you're going to be bombarded with. Marketing messages that yeah. I'd like your impression on. My impression of them is that many of them are wildly um, inappropriate. They are reckless marketing of this stuff, uh, and the public's not
1: aware of it. How do you feel? Well, like anything, people jump on the bad wagon, but not even knowing what they're selling. You know, it's something that's hot. Let's go do that. We'll sort it out later. The same thing happened with OxyContin twenty-five, six years ago, and when they th- said that this is a yep. great drug for pain, it's not addictive, this and that. We walked along that fine line and we, we said, okay, you're right, let's do it. Now it's caused a pandemic in our country of in amazing numbers. And it's not as extreme, but we don't know the full-term effects. What are you doing when you're changing the pathways in your brain by using medication? What's the long-term effects? We don't know because it hasn't been around a long time. So we just don't know. Compare the process that is employed to, to, you
0: know, okay these drugs. In this case, what will psilocybin have to go through
1: till it gets to the status of Vivitrol or a drug like that? Right. So the FDA does all these kind of testings. It's it's years and years. You know, people complain about, oh, we don't get drugs out fast enough. That's in our protection Mm -hmm. to go through that process. And do they always get it right? No. Obviously, we've seen that. They don't always get it right. It's not just Oxycontin that they haven't gotten right. There's many drugs. But the majority and great majority, 99% or 98% are when used through that testing. The long-term effects are mitigated, and we don't have them. Right now, we don't have that. We need to go through this process. And again, you're using a drug that one side of it has caused lesions in the brains of a rat. To me, that's a red flag comes up. I mean, what am I doing? I'm taking something that caused lesions in a rat. What is it going to do in a human? Well, I don't know. In that context,
0: how do you react when you see, as I have, websites that say you can administer this stuff in the comfort of your own home? And they'll have some guy in a barka with a sleep mask on and headphones, and
1: he, I guess he's just sprayed himself with ketamine. I mean, is that responsible? not only is it irresponsible, I don't, I don't think it's legal. I mean, I think that there has to be some kind of control over that. And How can you get a drug that's not legal, other than for a different kind of use? And I don't even know if you can even buy that. The way I, uh, I, and I
0: spoke to a couple of psychiatrists
1: nearby me who do both
0: uh, TMS and ketamine, and they're medical doctors, they're psychiatrists, and they can prescribe it, but they've never said that they would prescribe it to someone and tell them to take it home and use it. I also see now, this is not strictly speaking a, a psychedelic therapy, but TMS. I've seen home kits for that online. Do
1: this in the comfort of your home. This is crazy. We do use DTMS, which is deep tissue ones. I tried it. It gives you such a headache. Does it really? Do it right. It's not going to be effective. But there's a lot of people who really. I've gained a lot of help with these things, and that's something that it's been tested and retested for years. It came out it, but it's not a drug you're ingesting. So it's yeah, something yeah. a little different.
0: Peter Shure is our guest. Peter is the CEO and founder of Retreat Behavioral Health. I mean, you're a great guy. First of all, your expertise in this field is uh, valuable. But you're also this. This is the company you started, and I know you know what your reputation is. You guys are, are nothing but you know best practices guys, and you're trying to do it right. And, and I see some of this. As altering the way treatment facilities like retreat might have to change the way they do business. So psychedelic drugs and therapy, it's not something you're, I would guess, particularly frightened about. You've seen medicine used before in drug and alcohol treatment, right? Many different drugs. And so what has to happen here? Doesn't the government have to take some of these drugs, these hallucinogens, off the
1: Schedule One narcotics list first? They, they will have to, yes. The whole thing is this, though, you know, we do what's called medical assisted treatment. So we, you know, we give medicine to replace something that they take. We're a society that for everything we do, the minute we want, we have, we don't feel well, what do we ask for? Give me a pill to make me feel better. Give me something to make me feel better. So we, we've always been that society. We've always done things like that. But if you don't do the therapy that go along with that, what's going to change? It's the same thing when suboxone came out, uh, buprenorphine came out 20 something years ago. It was never intended for a doctor just to give someone a prescription to go home to do it all by themselves and never have to be part of a, a, a treatment program or any therapy or anything like that. Never was it supposed to be like that. And it's still not supposed to be like that. There's supposed to be a therapeutical piece of it when you do that. And if we don't continue that, and, and this is, psychiatrists are going to ruin it for themselves, too. Because, yeah, well, uh, you that's just You give to tell to someone, you know, magic, great, but that's not going to happen.
0: I had the occasion to tell uh, <laughs> someone who was uh, talking to me about this. I said, you know, not only could it potentially be a problem for your medical practice, but you don't want to go around being thought of as the guy in the tie-dye medical jacket. I mean, <laughs> you don't want to be
1: doctors, you know, psychedelic. Or they'll be a the tie-dye prison outfit they don't like what they're doing. That's the problem.
0: You're also, all right. So in terms of uh, what Retreat does and, and other uh, well-run and uh, uh, honest uh, brokers in treatment facilities, you've faced this before. You have to uh, knock down these notions that there's a magic bullet and uh, you can't do it just uh, one and done. This is that again, isn't it? I mean, you're not dismissing the potential for some of these things, psychedelics, to be very, very uh, beneficial. But you're just telling people to slow down on
1: this. Yeah, I don't don't dismiss any kind of therapies that's going to be better for people. And again, all I want to make sure is that it's safe. I I believe that people suffer from depression. People suffer from PTSD. There's many different things that people suffer from, and they deserve to to find something that's going to eliminate that. But I, I believe that we need to do further testing before we just jump on something and say, this is the answer. Because I don't know the long-term effects, especially with young kids. Yeah. You know, young kids that throwing, I know young kids are throwing on this ketamine like it's like it's candy, you know, because they're they're a, a little depressed. But you know, their brains are not formed yet, not complete. So what kind of damage are we doing in our nervous system yeah. by 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 bombarding it with psychedelics?
0: Well, I, I again, I, I uh, reached out to you because over the past two weeks, I have just been inundated with PR firms that want to come on the podcast and they're pushing this or that and they're talking about micro dosing and this and that. And then the uh, and then the stuff uh, online, the guy in the Barker lounger doing ketamine at home, I just thought somebody should knock on their door and say, you can't do this. It's wrong. But anyway, there's a momentum and we can see it. We've seen it before. You've seen it before. There is a momentum.
1: And, and, and uh, think about what you're saying about someone sitting in a chair administering their own, uh, own psychedelics. think about that. Who's using that? Someone who's using any kind of psychedelics or any kind of drugs is someone who's, who's in crisis, right? And when you're in crisis, you don't make the best decisions in the world. So if you're taking something and there's an unlimited amount and you can take something that could really do, you know, be detrimental to your health, you know, w- when you're in that state, you don't, you're not in your right mind. You don't know, you're not making the right decisions. You could take something that's going to either kill you or affect you medically for long term. Yeah. You know, it needs to be, it needs to be watched. It needs to be done on a, on a professional manner. And, and again, further testing.
0: You know, if I've learned nothing in the years I've worked with you guys and and, uh, before you, it's that this whole notion of getting well, whether it's from mental illness, or certainly in substance abuse issues. What I've learned uh, is that it's not one thing or two things. In fact, it's a process that goes on. And and we talk about this all the time. Um, So whatever these
1: drugs potential winds
0: up being, they still will only be part of a process
1: hopefully, I mean, I hope that's what people understand, that it is part of a process. You look at it like a it's a puzzle, and each piece is important for the whole. If we look at something that's just going to be, here's your magic pill, everything's going to go away, we're going to set ourselves up for real disappointment.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, this moment in time feeds right into a very shortened attention span and a lot of anxiety and a lot of sense of uh, I need something now. I need something now. So it, it's got to be very careful. Just this last note about psychedelic treatment. I saw in Forbes the other day the formation of something called the American Psychedelic Practitioners Association. Apparently, a, a group of professionals who are uh, who advocate effective treatment using this stuff. It's it's interesting. They're forming a, a professional organization around uh, substances that aren't even available or ready to use. And at the end of the article. It says that the APPA is right now in the process of recruiting members, which they'll find.
1: I mean, you know that you are going to. Yeah, find, no, it's good. They're going to find people who who believe it. Look, the mission is correct. They're trying to help people who are suffering, but you know the method has to be proven. That's all. That's all we're saying. We're not saying don't do it, don't use it. Just show us it's safe. Show us long term effects, and show us what we do in conjunction with that.
0: Incidentally, all that has to happen before the insurance companies will pay for anything anyway. So we might as well just be very patient. Finally, Peter, I wanted to ask you about harm reduction. I know harm reduction is something that seems self-evident and and positive. It seeks to just slow down, if not stop, the toll uh, that drugs take in terms of uh, deaths. Uh, you think well, harm reduction. What's wrong with that? Well, it's fair. it is. It, it runs up against, uh, as you know, a lot of resistance because people think it's uh, enabling people to use drugs rather than trying to save their lives. I bring it up to you now because Rhode Island, just yesterday, according to the New York Times, became the first state to legalize drug consumption sites. In the state,
1: is that a good idea? In my opinion, no. Uh, harm reduction, though. Look, years ago. And I've been in this field for 40-something years, Steve. Uh, You were only a little baby when I came in.
0: Yes, I know. Just a child.
1: (laughs) But when I came in the field, you know, going into this field, your your one goal is, I'm going to fix everyone. I'm going to cure everyone. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Over the years, as you grow and mature yourself and have an understanding, especially in this field, we've seen such a change in the drugs that people are using. They're so much more powerful today than they were you know, five, 10 years ago, let alone 30 or 40 years ago. What we're seeing now is a overdose death of over 100,000 people from using illicit drugs. So what do we do as a society? We have to come up with some kind of formula how we're going to do harm reduction because people are harming themselves and they're dying. It's no longer they're just getting using drugs, Mm -hmm. sitting on a, 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 a doorstep and falling asleep. Now they're dying. So now what do we do? How do we fix that? So there's many different ways. I mean, we, we try uh, many different kind of techniques. One is medically assisted treatment, is using it for opiate addicts, is using, you know, methadone or suboxone, buprenorphine, whatever we can use for harm reduction. So we can get them to that point. So now within conjunction of using these kind of different uh, assisted treatments is, what about the therapy piece of it? What are we going to do on that side? Because we can't just say, here's a pill, and the same thing we're doing with psychedelics, and you're going to get better. You might feel better right now, but in the long run, and, and I think we've had this discussion before, Steve, how substance use disorder, you know, eight out of 10 times is a symptom of a mental health disorder. So if you give someone a pill for the addiction piece, what's changed in the mental health piece? Zero. Zero. You need to have the therapy part of it also. Great, they're not going to be using drugs if they have something to take the drugs. But that's not going to last because after a while, the depression or whatever is going to pop up is going to go like, wait, I need something to make me feel better. And this medically assisted treatment is not the answer for me right now. I need something that's going to anesthetize me. I can't feel this way anymore. It's almost a form of triage. Stop the bleeding. And then I use that word a lot. We kind of triage our patients, especially when they come. patients who are constant relapsers and things like that. You know, uh, especially in Florida, what what I've seen is a lot of patients when they come into treatment, the reason they're coming into treatment, they don't have any more money to buy drugs on the outside. And Mm -hmm. they still have insurance under their parents. They don't have a place to eat. They don't have a place to sit. They don't have anything. You know, let me go in, they'll give me some boxin or whatever, I won't feel bad. And I'll stay there for a week, you know, get myself feeling better, I'll go back out. And nine out of ten times they're using it again. Those aren't the people who are coming to the treatment to get better. It's a small window you guys have to to Very get small. them. And we have to bounce on that and make sure <laughs> that we can try to convince them in that short period yeah. of time that there's a better way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's not we're not, we're not a uh we're
1: not a Motel 6 for,
0: you know, rest up, get you know, strong sad, and go back sad out sad of
1: things. There's some parents coming, they go, you know, fix my child. You know, I'd love to say I'm going to fix your child, but I'm going to help fix your child. I'm going to do that. But there's a, there's a process that goes along with
0: it. Uh, Peter, to put a finer point on this harm reduction thing, so I understand your position, you obviously support harm reduction. In the context of what you guys do, do you provide uh, fentanyl strips to people? Is that is that a uh, so that they can test? That the drug at least the drugs are using isn't full of fentanyl. Do you advocate uh, not for you guys, but do you advocate clean needle exchange programs and stuff like that? Does that all make sense to you?
1: It makes sense to me on a, a basis of not spreading disease mm-hmm. and things like that. But how about at a, a safe sh- shooting site, how about having in there or something else or a doctor there and go, Hey, hey, you don't have to shoot up. Take, let's, let's get you on this. Let's do this. Let's try to do that. I mean, but it's not, you give you someone a room and go, yeah, hey, go shoot up in there.
0: Can you ever envision a time in um, the future when a retreat would, in addition to every other uh, modality they offer in terms of long-term treatment, uh, provide a place where people could still use drugs while they get treatment?
1: No, Never. Ever, 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 ever.
0: Well, that couldn't be any clearer. (laughs) It's sort of uh, not what you guys do, right?
1: No, the opposite. Our job is, and again, you know, we talk about harm reduction. It's hard to tell an 18-year-old kid, you you know, who's going to start college in the fall that you can't drink with your buddies and this and that. You know, you can't. It's hard. So you got to, what's harm reduction in that side? you got to show them how to do it. Responsibly, Can you drink mm-hmm. responsible as, mm-hmm. as much as you can? But you have to show them the downside. So what we do is when we have young patients, you know, you you'll you have an older patient say, you know, you don't want to be doing this when you're my age or, you know, just seeing what it is. But their brain, remember an 18-year-old kid who's using drugs, and, and if they started when they're 12, they're 12. That's yeah. what they are. So, you know, you're trying yeah. to convince someone who's an adult body that to do something when you're really talking to a 12-year-old.
0: Yeah, there's no there's no stop sign in no. a, a teenager in a teenager's mind. Uh, Peter Shore, founder CEO Retreat Behavioral Health, our great partner. We appreciate your support very very much. Thanks for adding a lot of clarity to psychedelic therapy, and your position on harm reduction. And that leaves me with just one favor to ask. And I know your answer is going to be moved to Florida, but my God, I look like
1: a ghost. I mean, it's ridiculous. Look at you. You know, the problem was, Steve, you chose to have a, a career in radio. Right, you
0: kept me inside. If you
1: had a career in TV, you wouldn't know how to put makeup on. Didn't they, someone <laughs> once tell you you have the perfect face
0: for radio? No, come on. There's no makeup that's going to help me. And You, Peter, come, sure you can, that,
1: you can that. come visit us, too. You know that. Yes, I can, and I should. Well, as soon as
0: the we- as soon as you guys get a handle on the weather down there, yeah, and uh, good for you guys for dodging that bullet. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Peter. We appreciate your time, uh, and thank you all as well. Don't forget to uh, follow us on uh, Facebook and uh, like us on uh, App. Hey, by the way, push the subscribe button. That's a big deal for. I'm learning this as I go along. It's wonderful that you like us and you follow us and you share us, but we need you to push the subscription button. Then you'll get it, you know, every week. That's it for us here on the Behavioral Corner. Catch you next
1: time. Retreat Behavioral Health has proudly been serving the community for over 10 years. Here at Retreat, we believe in the power of connection and quality care. We offer comprehensive, holistic, and compassionate treatment from industry leading experts. Call 855 802 6600 or visit us at www. Dot retreatbehavioralhealth.com to begin your journey today.
0: That's it for now. And make us a habit, hanging out at the Behavioral Corner. And when we're not hanging, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, On the Behavioral Corner.